so today mm-hmm. I had this like I had boozy brunch today and now we're recording so the Perfect. gloves are off. <laughs> The filter is gone. Um, Shields are down is what I say when I'm in that. Um, Hang on. I'm actually, I'm watching my levels Mm -hmm. because, so Eric has been bothering us about our levels for a couple of weeks now. Like we're too hot. We're coming in too hot. It's better to be quiet than it is to be loud. So we apologize, everyone. The text where he was like, it's like you don't anticipate at all that you'll be excited about romance novels. (laughs) And I was like, drag me, Eric. Fine. So I think we should at first apologize to our regular listeners um, for potentially being too loud and Bursting your eardrums with our excitement over the last few weeks. We apologize. You know, when you talk about category romances, you're sure. going to be excited too. Um, <laughs> I'm turning mine down more now. So, um, but Nisha, I saw Nisha Sharma today because I had this like really delightful boozy brunch. It's Sunday in New York City with most of the reader writers room, um, oh, which nice. was really fun. And I love them all very much. And Nisha said to me, you know, I've been binge, binge listening to faded mates. And I started with the initial interstitials, um, you know, a couple weeks ago and you guys are really soft and like quiet <laughs> and thoughtful. And then in the last couple of episodes, you've just been yelling, go write that book. <laughs> And I was like, well, Eric says we're, we're like, our levels are too high. Like, I think it is actually louder than it should be right now. And we're, we're working on it. And she goes, yeah, I think also you're just like, the gloves are off. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yelling at us to read the books, <laughs> which is probably true. So sure. Yeah. But now I'm not going into the red, and I'll keep my eye on the levels, and we apologize, everyone. It's our mistake, not Eric's. He does everything oh, sure. he can. <laughs> We're just trying our best, everybody. He nags us a whole lot. It's okay. We welcome should welcome them. everyone. To, like, you know what it is? It's like faded mates after dark. <laughs> <laughs> Where we just whisper and are not excited ever. Welcome, everyone, to what is it? ASMR? We should do a whole episode in ASMR. No. No, it would never, we would never be able to do it. I like already, I'm like, what? I can't hear anything. <laughs> we are, um, it was, it's a couple days after Valentine's Day. It's President's Day Happy weekend. Valentine's Day, everyone. We hope you had a yes. nice one. Um, I went to see Birds of Prey yesterday with nice. Kelly and our men, and we had a great time. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone also. I don't really care about Valentine's Day at all. No, we didn't. We don't really do much either. I was in Los Angeles for a couple days. I flew in on Thursday, and Valentine's Day was Friday, and I did a presentation on, Fri- on Valentine's Day for a place about romance novels where I basically did, like, Romance 101. And I talked to Eric before I went to it, and I was like, I'm a little nervous. And he was like, Sarah, you know you do this literally every week. <laughs> I know. I He's like, like you know you have, like, thousands of people who listen to you do this every week. But it still felt very, like, stressful to walk into a room full of people who I had been, like, sort of 
already told, like, might not be, like, know very much about romance. And, like, whenever I hear that, I worry, like, it's not just know very much about romance, but also, like, be actively hostile toward romance. Sure. Um, But it was awesome, and they were all awesome. And it, like, it ended up being super great. And they didn't even flinch when I said orgasm multiple times. (laughs) So (laughs) when I explained the two-for-one rule, which, like, why would I explain that to a room full of people who don't know a lot about romance? But, eh. Two for one rules, real man. I would say it is foundational to the genre. That's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's she comes counts. first for every time he, she comes twice for every time he comes. I don't see why that's a problem. Anyway, <laughs> have it in your life, everyone. But the point is um, that while when I was packing up to leave, you know, I have a six-year-old and she is really into Valentine's Day. Sure. Like six-year-olds are really into Valentine's Day because yeah. it's like it's a school holiday. It's arts and crafts. Candy. Candy and hearts. It's a candy holiday. And she really, like, no one likes a heart. Like, this kid likes a heart. Mm. And so she was watching me pack, and she was like, Mommy, you're going to miss the holiday. And she (laughs) said it with this, like, gravitas, like, it was Christmas or something, and I was not going to be here. And I was like, Honey, I write books about love. I'm like, this is my go week. (laughs) This is my only week. So I was, I was working. You know what else was great about this week though, is I feel like every February, all of romance landia, like girds their loins for like terrible hot takes about romance. Yeah. The, the 10 best romance novels of all time. Number one, Anna Karenina. (laughs) And, but you know, nobody, nobody believes that. Yeah. No. I expect those bad listicles, but like that was kind of it. And I was like real pleasantly surprised. It was not like a barrage of bad, bad hot takes. So, yeah, I I didn't see, but I, I was busy. So I don't know. I didn't see any like real bad ones. I saw a couple of lists where recommendations were very, very misguided. Yes. Like for those of you who don't know, Anna Karenina ends with the titular <laughs> character throwing herself in front of a in train. In front of a train. Yeah. <laughs> Not that kind of train. Like, <laughs> The Great Gatsby was also on that list. Like, that also yeah, ends with like, the titular character dying, well, in that case, in a swimming pool, but still. Sure, being shot by, you know, a mobster or whatever. <sighs> Romance. Nisha said she wanted to come on and guest as uh, for a mob romance episode, which I think would be very fun. We could talk about Gatsby then and how much I love it. I do really love Gatsby, and I think it's a great novel, but it's not a romance novel. Um, That would be amazing. We are actually lining up quite a few really cool guests. At this lunch, I was like, you're all invited to be on the podcast. (laughs) Um, And I'm not, like, if if Jen and I have said, like, we really want you to be on the podcast to somebody out there listening, like, we really actually do want you to be on the podcast. Like, we don't say that to people who, if we don't really want them to be on. Right. We're just very behind because of me. I'm very behind. We're going to record, like, gangbusters in March because then I'm real busy in April and May, so. Yeah. Well, we'll be, and we're doing some lives. Yeah. We're doing a live episode in April. Two live episodes in April. So if you're in Chicago... Uh, you will get to see two, uh, you'll get to see us twice. You'll get to see Fade of Mates live at Spring Fling. We'll put the links in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll get to see Fade of Mates Wicked Wildflowers Heaving Bosoms live, which is going to be a scene Bananas. at KissCon. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
It's gonna be and fun. then what I was thinking, Jen, is like because RWA is dead, um, the we really should schedule for like maybe Craven Day of next year. Maybe you should come for Craven Day, and we yes. should do a live episode in New York. That'd be maybe really we should fun. travel for Craven Day. That would be really fun. There Every you go. We'll just pick a town and go for Craven Day. Someday Where? Lisa will join us. <laughs> there you go. We'll just go to her. We'll like sit on her driveway. <laughs> we'll be like, we're in Seattle. It's Craven Day. And she'll special <laughs> surprise, surprise appearance. That'd be amazing. She'll just come out. It's like, and be like, go home now. Go home. <laughs> yeah. Get off my lawn is what she will say to us. So we, as you know, Sarah's been finishing up a book and then it was, you know, go week. So we are talking about um, what we've been calling like quick and dirty reads. And I think what we mean by that is the books that are uh, like not necessarily one handed reads, although maybe that's it. But really, I think the books that are just like they deliver exactly what they say they're going to deliver. You like dive in, you read it all in one sitting, you get your like shot of romance and then you can move along with your day. That's how I interpret the quick and dirty. Agreed. Also, I feel like there's the second piece of that, which is we like, you're instantly like, oh yeah, this is a reliable, this is reliable. Like I'm going to order, I'm going to immediately read the next one in this, of this author because she's super reliable. I think that was one of the things I was thinking about. This is there's no subverting of the tropes in a quick and dirty read In a quick and dirty read. It's like, this is the trope and I'm delivering it and I'm going to do it perfectly. And you're going to know exactly what you're going to get. Exactly. And it's like, not that long, like 200 pages at the most. Sure. Yeah, I agree. So, right. You're not in it for like 600 pages of a big epic fantasy. No, but uh, the, well done <laughs> because so flying that I flew back from LA yesterday and Rachel Hawkins, who, um, is a YA writer, um, who is, I think working on a romance novel, it seems from her, her Twitter, um, but is a very, very big romance reader and a friend, um, told me she's a, she's into fantasy and she was like, you got to read this new book by Mila Vane, who's actually Mel Jean Brooke. So if you read those old Mel Jean steampunk books, like the Iron Duke mm-hmm. um, was awesome. And they're, you know, these are great books, but she hasn't written in a while. She hasn't written a new book in a, in a while. Um, well, it turns out she's been working on this fantasy series. This ga- It's called A Gathering of Dragons. And the first book is out. Uh, this month came out at the beginning of February. It's called A Heart of Blood and Ashes. And you guys, this book is like 600 pages long. And it's pure fantasy in the sense that there are a lot of fucking names and places and creatures that you got to <laughs> like input. And you all know how I feel about that nonsense. And so I was like, Rachel, I'm not reading this fantasy book. I mean, I'll get it, but come on. Sure. And then, so I got it, I got hold of it and I started it and I texted Jen and I was like, yeah, I don't know. There are a lot of like, there are a lot of weird names in this book and there are a lot of weird places in this book. And by page like 65, I was fucking in it. The plot of this book (laughs) is, um, the hero is a warrior. Like there are all these weird creatures on this plane. He's on, he's like dirty and wrapped in fur on the cover, fur and leather. So it's a good cover. It's it's a great cover. If you look up the cover of this book and it looks like a book that you will be into, 
the judge this book by its cover. Like if you, if you're like, I don't know, definitely don't read it because definitely no. So he's a warrior and he is the prince of you know his country place. Um, and his parents are killed. Turns out his parents are assassins. His country place. It's her country place. Country place. (laughs) They've been assassinated by a neighboring king, the king of a different country place. And, uh, but there's like an alliance that's working together to fight a big bad. And so basically the alliance has said like, you can't kill this king because that will be a political, that is a political no-no. And so he's furious. And so uh, he decides that instead of killing this king, he's going to torture this king by going and kidnapping the daughter of this king. Sarah, what do you think is going to happen? It's so hard to tell. (laughs) And then I am literally like... I'm getting it. Um, So he goes to get her and it turns out that she's like orchestrated this whole fucking thing. And like Mm. she brought his parents to her country and like convinced them because they were, of course, searching for a wife for him. Of course. So um, they went and met with her and she this her kingdom passes the uh, royalty passes through the female line. So she is the heir to the throne of her kingdom. Fine. Her queendom. Fucking badass. And she is so full of anger and vitriol. And she's basically like, he finds her and she's being escorted. This is page, I'm not spoiling anything. It's page like 50 of this 600 page book. (laughs) And um, he finds her like on this road and she's like, and she's being escorted. um, She's taught her like, her her hands are like tight. She's bound, um, but she's being escorted by her brother, who's a real asshole. And they're all standing around, like talking, you know, fantasy talk about like politics and shit. And suddenly, the brother collapses to the ground, and she holds up like a bloody knife, and she's like, "Who's fucking next?" Like, I, I hate my brother. Want this in my eyes? And I was right like, now. "Oh <laughs> my god, I'm in." So anyway. That sounds amazing. This is A Heart of Blood and Ashes. It's the first book in Milla Vane's new series from Berkeley. Thank you to Berkeley for sending it to me. And uh, yeah, book two's coming in summer. And Milla uh, tweeted at me yesterday that it is um, a new couple and it's going to be great. That's amazing. She didn't say that last part, but I'm sure of it. Yeah. I also read a real propulsive fun read, not quick and dirty, but I loved it, called Whiteout by Adriana Anders. Oh, well, we love Adriana. In fact, she's on my list to talk about as quick and dirty. Uh, Well, there you go. Let me, I'll start off with like medium and dirty, which is, uh, this is, it's amazing. It's like, I was like, this is how romantic suspense should feel. And basically these folks are in, at the South Pole. They're, she's a cook at the South Pole station and he's a scientist and bad guys come and want to take his ice core samples because of science. And <laughs> then they're bad guys who kill people because they're bad. And these two have to trek across Ant fucking Arctica with, like, sleds of virus cores and food of, like, peanut butter balls. <laughs> and, <laughs> we, and you coined a new phrase. Danger banging. Oh, I don't think I've coined that phrase. Everyone uses this really? phrase, right? I've never heard 
that phrase oh, before. Oh, shit. So this is actually amazing. So Mr. Danger Bang. <laughs> Mr. Reed's romance is not actually... He doesn't listen to the podcast, and he, like, loves me, but is constantly basically like, I want you to imagine my house is like a sea of books, and he's always like, where the fuck are these coming from? <laughs> and so anyway, we're sitting there talking, and because we were about to go see a movie, and I was and I was like, oh my god, I'm reading this great book, because I'm constantly, if a, I think a book would be one he would like or listen to. I'm, like, laying the groundwork for this. Someday he'll Someday pick up the, my the dream. Thread. He'll listen, like he'll read he'll a romance. Take the bait. <laughs> and this is one because, and then I'm like, but I don't know. I don't know where they're gonna do the danger bang. And he was like, <laughs> time out. T. He was like, what the fuck is danger banging? And I was like, no, wait. And he was like, I was like, do you really not know? Like, can you just get it? And he was like, oh yeah, absolutely. He was dying. I mean, and then we were like driving to the movies, and he was like, I just want you to know. In my head, I'm like, kind of like through this whole danger bagging idea <laughs> and of course our son was in the back seat like oh my god my parents so the whole thing was amazing i and bet you're the most popular parents in your friend in your son's friend group <laughs> oh so funny it was amazing so yeah he was super into i was like danger yeah bang. danger bang i mean i gotta say this this danger banging um danger banging should is is also present in uh this uh fantasy book too. Also, vengeance banging. Oh yeah, that's good too. In this book. Oh, I love um, that. <laughs> yeah, like what's amazing. So you all know. I mean, everybody here has been with us long enough that they know. Like my A plus number one, like ride or die kink is revenge. Like revenge is the great. And I mean, that's why this book instantly sixty pages in. Like if it had been any other. Like core story, I probably would have been like, I just can't, I can't yeah. do it with these animals, like these four, <laughs> these strange creatures. But like, I, um, but you know, it, since it was all vengeance, I was like, yeah. And I'm not gonna spoil. I have spoiled it for Jen because I had to, I had to talk about it with somebody. But I'm not gonna spoil like the first sex scene in this book. The first time they like interact sexually is like pure, like basically like. If you're not into vengeance, it could totally be gross. But I was like, yeah, like she, I was like, put it, put in, it my in my veins. veins. The heroine's basically like, oh, your vengeance, my ve- your vengeance is the same as my vengeance. Let's fucking bang it out. And oh I like, god, I yeah, love that vengeance banging. Yes, danger banging, <laughs> vengeance banging, all that. That's all I want out of life. I mean, it really is. My it favorite really... uh, danger bang, if I could like take a brief second, is in the mm. Kinky Bank Robber series by Annika Martin. Oh, we love Annika. I mean, she, yeah, she, we have coined. Take the finger. We have, I have a whole bracelet dedicated to Annika. These two MFers, and it's like they're in sort of a polyamorous relationship, but she's been with these other guys, but not like the head bank robber, whatever. And they're trapped together and literally like going to die of heat stroke in like some sort of like shipping sure. container. Sure. But they bang it out. <laughs> Of course, and I was like, you know, it's so hot. I'm tired of gentle man. I want heat stroke banging, heat stroke banging, danger banging, vengeance banging. Oh, Sarah, that's why you're my faded mate. So this whole book just felt like such a breath of fresh air for me because I was like, this is like, it just felt like she was like fuck this. I'm just going to write my pure, like unpeel my like skin suit. 
<laughs> right? Like what I, like, I'm just going to write my heart. And I was like, I'm in it, I'm in it. And that's what, you know, Jen and I talk about this all the time, but like, it, it's, it's that moment where you're like, I mean, is fantasy my thing? Absolutely not. But like, I really respect somebody who's just balls to the wall. Like, is Antarctica your thing? Probably not. No. Like, <laughs> I don't like Adriana to be is taking the finger down there. Oh, that God, sounds yes. gross. But <laughs> oh, taking the finger, the knives, the, like the sleds, the ice flows, all of it. Yeah, I love exactly. it. I love it. It was great. Okay, so we're going to talk, I guess, then about some other quick and dirty books. Why don't you start? Because it sounds like we can transition. Well, yeah, I mean, just right, gently. So when we say quick and dirty, Jen sort of explained, you you kind of explained it. But, um, you know, for me, it really is about, um, it's about ease of use, one, right? Like, it's sort of, yeah, like okay, I know I really enjoyed that. It was fast. Like it was at the end, I was like deeply satisfied by it. Like, Mm -hmm. and not in, in like an, it's almost like not even in an intellectual way, although sometimes that too, but like in just sort of like a primal way, like this just makes me like reading this book made me happy for two hours and now I want to read another one. And so then you, you know, immediately go and you buy the next one. So I came to Adriana Anders, um, through loving the secret billionaire, which is sort of like, a, there are few books that are more obviously quick and dirty than this one in the sense that it's a novella. Um, and that it has, a, you know, now we've talked about this on the podcast, this particular novella, um, on the podcast before, um, because it actually has a really like thoughtful, there's, you know, a politician in it. And there's like the, the external conflict in this book is, um, about a politician, try, a, a woman, a Latinx politician, uh, trying to get elected to public office and, um, you know, uh, the hero who is a hacker and a a billionaire and a virgin and blind and lives in a house in the woods, um, sort of machinating to make that happen. So there's that sort of going on in here, but also, um, there's, it's, it's really hot. It's really quick. Um, the setup for the whole book is basically, um, you know, her, she, she's trying to like beat her competitor up the driveway to this mansion in the woods. Um, and it's the last house she's going to visit that day as she canvasses for herself. And he, like, she knocks on the door and he opens the door and she's like, you have to let me in before this other guy. And she like pushes her in herself inside and like, boom, like the door closes and it's like off to the races. Um, and there's something really powerful about like, now we're, you know, whatever, three pages into this book and like, it's happening. These two are like, he's super into her right away. Like there's, there's sort of an instant attraction. It doesn't always have to feel like, oh, it's instant attraction, but that sure helps. Like, you know, it's just think about that. I don't think it has to be instant anything, I do think the inciting incident of the plot has to happen right away. I think that's like the key. It doesn't have to be instant lust, but it does have to be like, bam, something happened. And then like, you just have to be sort of dumped into this story. So Adriana is, I always use that as sort of like a really great example of like the, the, the book doesn't have to be 
it just has to be a one, it has to be like a one sitting, like instant mm-hmm. intensity read for me. Um, yeah. so, uh, but my first, my sort of go-to when somebody says to me, like, I'm looking for something quick and dirty is London Hail. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's because I think London Hale, which is a writing duo, um, who I've, I, I'm sure I've mentioned before on the podcast, if we haven't actually like spoken, like really du- dug deep on, on them, but, um, you know, they have a couple of series. The first one is really, really like taboo, but like light, ta- I mean, now it's so, it's so low on the Simone scale. <laughs> right. Like if you're looking at the Simone scale, it's nowhere. Um, but it's like, like the, the, I want to say the first one of theirs is called like the Dilf. Mm-hmm. And it's like older man, younger woman, like kind of a big age differences and like real hot and real like quick. And, um, but like intense love story, like instant, instant attraction, like instant love stories. And so that's their first, I don't know, four maybe are that kind of world. And then they start sort of twisting tropes a little bit. And Mm -hmm. there's, um, so I guess this kind of goes, this sort of throws into question this. I think you're right that it's not really a, what did you say earlier about tropes? You said like, they don't, they really like nail the trope. Yeah. Yeah. They nail it. I don't think they're looking to subvert a trope. No, 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 no. no. Around a little bit, but I think it means like there's no, mystery. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and I think that's true. I think they just establish it right away. There's no fooling the reader into thinking that, oh, you're going to read this one thing, but instead I'm going right. to flip it upside down and like give you a commentary on the trope. You're absolutely right. So there's, you know, the woman who works in the sex shop and the priest across the street. And the um, older mayor, the older uh, female may- mayor of the town um, and the 20 something year old fireman, who's also a sex line operator, a phone sex operator. And they like have met because she's just trying to take the edge off now and then. And now <laughs> like they're super into each other. Um, yeah. and then there's like the whole question of like, so that, you know, they're not, but they don't shy away from how challenging these kind of situations are and how like taboo they might be. The priest across the street isn't actually he's not a Catholic priest. He's an Episcopalian. So he can get married or Baptist. I don't know. He says something that can be, he's a pastor who can get married, you know, but they all, they're none of them more than like, I don't know, probably 200 pages long. And they are hot and sexy and smart. And I just really love them. Yeah. You know what else that strikes me about these, like a quick and dirty read is, um, that they're very tightly focused on the romantic like story without Mm -hmm. like almost no other characters, no like workplace drama. Right. I mean, so like, I think another thing I was thinking is they just tend to be like really tightly focused. It's like all close, all like zoomed in. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's another reason why when I think about like what works in these, it's, you know, like you're just, it's essentially like really cutting it down to the bone. And that's the other reason I think they're just so fast is you're not at all, you know, like, okay, what's going to go on with this character? Is this, you know, it's just like, bam, it's like, these are the people, here's what's happening. And then we're just like watching them like no other part of their life exists. And that's not always what I want, but it, is what I want 
it is what I want when I yeah. read. I mean, and like the this. thing, yes, absolutely. And the thing about these London Hale books is it's almost like these two writers. So their names are um, Ellis Lee and Brighton Walsh. And I think they hmm. write under their own names as well. Um, but the thing about these is it's almost like they, you know, we've all seen, we've seen this happen in indie where like stepbrothers are huge and then they're gone. And yeah. then it's like your best friend's dad right. is huge. And then that's gone. And then like, you know, priests are huge and then that's gone and breeding is huge. And then that's gone. And it's like, they sat down and they made a list of like all of these, like, yeah, you know, tropes that we're, we all, I don't know if I want to say it this way, but I'm going to say it this way. But we're all like a little embarrassed that we're into. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are. That's right. and like, exactly. This right. isn't really like I don't want you to, like I don't want this to be kink shaming, but like it, you kind of are. Like, what are you going to do? Tell your like boss no. that you're reading a breeding romance? Like, yikes! No, no. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I think that's um, exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, they tend to really traffic in like kind of like the. Some core uh, stereotypical relationships, maybe that. And, well, you, you know, know, I I once talked to Tessa Bailey about this, and she and she referenced um, another writer who writes very short, like again, like very short, like really, really dirty. Um, and you know, I also want to say when Jen and I use the word dirty, we say it with, we use it with great love, like reclaim oh, it because yeah, sure. I mean, the, we love it. But she, Tessa, and I were talking about you know somebody who writes you're real dirty. And she's like, it's like she sits down and just like opens up the vein that runs directly to her vagina. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that feels wrong and very real. Like, and it's true. Yeah. I think that's the other thing. Like there's no, I mean, you know, I, we all have different, like, romance reading moods. And, like, to me, this is, like, I don't know, like, sometimes you have, like, a long work day and you're really stressed and you're, like, I just want to come home and, like, open a bottle of wine and, you know, like, I don't know, like, these to me are, like, the the book equivalent of, like, opening a bottle of wine, right? Like, I know exactly what I'm going to get and it's going to deliver it and there's not going to be any messing around with that. Jennifer, give me what I want. (laughs) Are these a trip to the pet store? I don't think so. Cause I, to me. Okay. So wait, before we continue, Kelly would like everyone to know that she appreciates. (laughs) You're going to love this. She appreciates (laughs) the need for these like metaphors that we use about how we're talking about books, but that no one should actually buy pets at a pet store. Yes. Oh no, that's absolutely true. But I mean, if you go to a pet store, like my local pet store, you can go there and like pet nice dogs who are there to buy treats for themselves. I mean, the dogs don't buy treats for themselves, but go go to a shelter and find an animal. Thank you. Adopt, don't shop one and two. Like you should definitely not buy animals at pet stores. I promised her we would make sure everybody knew that the pet store thing was an analogy. No, what? I don't know. I was like, I don't know if that's a visit to the pet store. I don't think so. I think it's more like you said. It's like a more like a visit to the, the secret shit. It's like like a visit to the secret shame closet, right? Like where you keep like back behind something and you're like, I mean, these are, these are your skeletons. Your skeletons are in there (laughs) in case you have like a real need for one. So can I tell you something? So when I was pregnant, (laughs) um, 
No, after the baby, after my daughter was born. Um, so those of you who have not had children um, or had to wake up in the middle of the night with children uh, know that uh, you should just know that it's fucking awful. <laughs> and you yes. have, you. I mean, like, I know, God love you people out there who are like, oh, my God, I helped my baby. And, like, it was like no, the sky opened and I was, I had purpose. I, like, waking I up like, in the middle of the night with a two-week-old is fucking terrible. And I was... <laughs> obsessed with being able to breastfeed and now we're going to have another PSA that is, you know, first we did pets and now we're going to do breastfeeding. (laughs) If you, I was on, like I did not produce enough milk and fuck anybody who like shames women into breastfeeding if they don't want to or can't or struggle with it in any way. Formula is fine and you should totally not be ashamed of it. And if anybody ever shames you for formula feeding your baby, you call me and I will come to your your house and protect you with like my personal carved shiv. Wait, Sarah, have I never told you the story about how have I, Oh my God. I don't know what this podcast is about right now, but we're going to stop. I'm going to tell a story. Cause I was the same. I, I don't know what really, this podcast is about. Okay, right I don't know what this podcast is about right now, but listen, I hated nursing. I did it for like three weeks and I just had to stop cause it was not for me. And I was like, really, I, I lived in Berkeley at the time and I was real worried that like people would shame me for it because yeah. it was fucking Berkeley. And I just was like, I'm not. I live in that, in the Berkeley of Brooklyn. Yes. Yes. Right. I was like, I'm not going to put up with anybody's fucking bullshit about this. Right. And so I was like, how can I like basically shut that shit down and make that person feel terrible if it happens? And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but basically here's what it is. So like, I, I would imagine myself like I'd be at the park. This never I had never had to actually do this, but I was ready to do it. And someone would say, like, I can't believe you're not nursing. And I was going to look this motherfucker right in the face and say, he's adopted. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. And I was so ready to do that because I was like, how can I just make this person slink away in shame yeah. for what they I mean, were like going to do to me? Right. Somebody, one of, one of my friends was in the park here in Brooklyn and she was bottle feeding and her mm-hmm. infant. And somebody said that better be breast milk. And she looked them dead in the eye and said, or what yeah (laughs) and i was like yes queen so anyway so i was so you're also out of your mind in those early weeks like in those early days and week like you're you don't have you've not slept enough you are absolutely at your hormonal to if you have had this if you have birthed this baby your body is like a fucking shit show your hormonal everything is terrible and you're up if you're breastfeeding your partner can't help I, right. Like he was great, but like couldn't help. And so <laughs> this, um, it's all coming back around. I promise that this is relevant <laughs> to the, to the story, to this like quick and dirty thing. Um, but so I had this like bat, this like basket of treats on top of the fridge and it was like brownies and like other shit that I wanted to eat at two 30 in the morning while I was like tearing my hair out and hating my life. And one day I went to this basket of treats on the top of the fridge and the brownies were all gone. Oh, uh-uh. 
And I literally was standing there with my like three week old and thinking like, what would happen? Like, would someone prosecute me if I stabbed my husband (laughs) for eating the last brownie? (laughs) So since then I have kept a secret stash of chocolate in my office (laughs) because he can't be trusted. And so here's my thing. That's what these books are. Now I have to move it. Now I have to move it. But he keeps, so this is my thing is like these books live in the secret stash that you keep away from everyone else for days when you have your period or you're breastfeeding and you're miserable (laughs) or you just are having a difficult day. (laughs) Yes. That's what this is. This is not a visit to the pet store. It is like the secret candy bar. Jen and I will never shame you for having that basket of goodies somewhere secret in your house and fuck anyone who takes stuff out of there or makes you feel bad for having it perfect okay so (laughs) here's my yeah i was like sarah i've never felt so seen in my fucking life (laughs) okay (laughs) so you and i bonded over grace goodwin oh yeah she's on my list too but yeah yeah like grace goodwin is where is she she did a thing (laughs) Anyway, she like swims in pools of candy bars, obviously. <laughs> anyway, um, these books are so crazy. Oh my yeah, God. Right. Exactly. I mean, they're basically like, well, here's the other thing. The setup of every single one of them is the same. And eventually <laughs> that means that none of them actually, I could not tell you a single name of anybody, but I they love them all so begin much. with a dream sequence about sex. <laughs> with a threesome. <gasps> like a menage. So basically, there's some sort of yeah, but planetary... swords never cross. Yeah, well, if that's the, I think why we quit them. We are like that's disappointing. Warning, but, everyone. Know. What's the opposite of a content warning? I don't know, but it's warning. <laughs> swords never cross in these books. The boring warning. The BW mm-hmm. <laughs> bullshit warning. Um, no, and you know what? Like, but I still every once in a while when there's one up on book bookbub because they are expensive. They're like four or five bucks each. Um, if there's one up on bookbub, I'll buy it and I'll like relive that joy. But basically, it's like there's some sort of interest bride program and these human women are gonna get sent up to a place some planet where the two warriors agree to like essentially take one mate and that way if anything ever happens to one they know that their mate will have a backup are they all manage those books i think i think most of them are yeah, I mean, every once in a while when you read one that's not, and you're like, wait, <laughs> did you just stick a kale chip into my candy bar? Candy bar so anyway. I found the pills shoved in the hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I don't know. I'm super, I mean, so yeah, but like, that's the other thing. It's like, and there's never really any danger. You never really are worried about anything bad happening. And so it's just like, yeah, she's going to go up and find her mates. And because it's all science, they're going to be perfect for her. And everyone's going to be happily ever after and like be danger banging all over the space station. Great. <laughs> danger banging. So, well, I mean, so you can't talk about Grace Goodwin without talking about Ice Planet Barbarians, too. Yeah, Ruby Dixon. Yeah. Well, and mostly before we see anything, we should say there our friend Danny has an Ice Planet yes. Ice Planet Barbarian podcast now. We will link I to think, it on Twitter. Yeah. We will put it in show notes. <laughs> Go yeah. immediately to the Ice Planet Barbarians <laughs> podcast. 
Yeah, and this is like Ruby Dixon for sure serves this all up, right? Bam, bam, yeah. bam. Well, and it's ba- what what Danny's really doing. Danny's doing first season of Fate of Mates for Ice Planet Barbarians over there, and so you will really love it. And and those of you who've never read Ice Planet Barbarians and never read IAD and listened to all of last season, go over there and now listen to the, like the crackers plots of Ice Planet Barbarians. You know, and those like and there's actually several like sub series and like spinoff series, but like Ruby Dixon for sure is also like this is an author who knows exactly what it is you want and is going to serve it up exactly the way you every want it. damn every time time yeah yeah and i mean there's something great about that there really is i do think that this is something that's like embedded embedded in these like paranormal or like sci-fi series though like i think um you know, I know you love Brill Harper, who is contemporary, yes. but you know, just as we're talking, I'm thinking about um Lauren Donner. Do you remember her? God, vaguely, that name sounds familiar. So, but Lauren, I don't even know if she's still writing. She probably is. Lauren Donner was. Um, oh, you know what? I think she is because I think I saw her on the my USA Today list. Really? Okay, so, so she wrote these crazy books called the new species series that started with um, gosh i mean i want to say they were published by one of the one of the publishers who's now no longer exists um and they were essentially like the premise was human DNA had been crossed with animal DNA to create these creatures who were not shifters, but like had the skills of certain animals. <laughs> and sure. They were like, they were like superhuman, um, kind of dog men or cat men, or sure. <laughs> monkey men. <laughs> like it's so- I'm describing it and I'm like, oh my God. She literally (laughs) had a book on the like New York Times bestseller list a couple weeks ago, The Vorge Crew, book five. Oh yeah. Well then she also did a cyborg series. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Give me a fucking cyborg. You ever read those books by Cynthia Sachs about the cyborgs? No. Same fucking thing. I mean, this is the whole thing, right? So, like, they've spliced, like, basically, like, they've spliced human and animal DNA, and they've created these, like, beast men who are, like, also, like, beast men, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... (laughs) And then... then, But they're all, like, trapped. But then, like, they made these, and then the government was like, oh, shit, we made, like, basically, like, super killers. Like, super... Like, animal... Like, they... They're, they have all the best qualities of, like, you know, big hunters, say, like, the cat men are, like, also lions. Mm-hmm. But they don't shift. They just are both. And then, yeah. like, these, like, I don't know, human women come in and, like, fall in love with them. And it's just so weird. And you're sort of like, what am I doing? Why have I read 15 of these in a row? <laughs> But they're really fun and yeah. really silly and like really freeing in this yeah. like wacky way. Um, yeah, totally. And that's another one that just like those books. I just when I discovered that series and look, I haven't read this. I haven't read those books in a while in many years. So it's po- like you know, I, 
as always with these episodes when we're like, these are wild. This whole series is bananas. Please, like, you know, tread carefully. But also, I feel this is something that we were talking about when we were talking about that um, fantasy book that I read, Milla Vane. Um, Like, I feel like those, when readers walk into these books, they set a different expectation for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we accept a lot more from these books than we would from something that we don't expect to be quick and dirty, you know? Yeah. You know who I actually think is probably, like, maybe even who's, like, writing that same kind of book but, like, has, like, a little more, like, depth and sort of is, like, digging into things is an author named Lolita Lopez. Mm. has a series I really liked called Grabbed. The first one's called Grabbed by Vicious. (laughs) I can't even say the straight face. It was amazing. And basically in this series, there's, like, this essentially, like, they put these women in, like, sort of a like pen and they like essentially have to run. And if they get caught, then they're like mated to whoever catches them. So it's like super interesting the way this is set up. And like you said, like problematic, you would never take this in real life, but the way then, so then they like get taken up to like the spaceship or whatever and have to like mate it out with these guys. But I thought they were great. And there was a a one, they were like three of them came out in like 2015 and then just like a month ago at the beginning of January, a fourth one came out. So, um, those were like a very similar, but yeah, I feel like, yeah, you're just, I don't know. You just have to like, let go of any sense of like right or wrong or how people are acting in terms of like ethical behavior on earth. It just is kind of like, boom. Yeah. I'm going to read this. It's going to be amazing. Of course. And it's, I mean, and there's something really, yeah, it's the freedom of it. The kind of, it's the same, here's what they are. They are, they are the same as, um, you know, when you, when you just want to watch like a television show that you don't have to think too hard about or like a, um, I'm trying to think it's like, is it reality TV? Is it like, or is it like a, you know, the fast and the furious, <laughs> you know, and you just sort of feel Hands like some men blow things up, right? Where you're like, I'm not going to worry about it. Just action and beautiful people. Great. I don't want to have to interrogate my relationship with the patriarchy right now. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know what, Sarah, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. And so I do think, I think that Jen, you and I over the last season, over the last two seasons have done a lot of like hard intellectual work on like interrogating the work of romance. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes people feel like we're boring because not, I mean, maybe not, uh, first of all, we're not, (laughs) but second of all, I think like, you know, they come to us and, and like periodically we'll do a whole, you know, we'll talk about, you know, the alpha and, and we're like really, you know, standing firm and like, what does it mean and how does it work and what are we saying and what's our internalized misogyny around this? And the truth is like, Jen and I never, ever want you to feel, and I feel like the last couple of interstitials have proven it. Like we never, ever want you to feel like we are, we, we like only take romance in serious doses. Like, Oh God, no, we love these, like, these books that we're talking about today, like, we love them just as much. You know, people sometimes talk about, like, my reading diet, right? Like, I read the New York Times, and then sometimes I read People magazine, and I'm like, look, you can get everything you need from romance, everyone. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
So let me talk about Brill Harper kind of before we wrap up, because I think this is not, it's not like sci-fi. So if none of that's really like, there's just no way I can do any of these. Um, Brill Harper has, I, I think, again, really knows the tropes and knows how to stick to them. And she writes a great series. They're called like the Alpha Mallows. Great. <laughs> and the the name of the book is essentially like a nod to the hero's job. So it's like, you know, one is like, I like I'm going to have to actually look because I feel like the one I'm thinking of is like, um, hold on. Sorry. I'm like such an idiot right now. I don't like all these, you know, titles. What are they? Oh, like blue collar bad boys. Sorry. So one is called plowed and the hero is a, t- is a snowplow driver and one is called laid and the hero like lays bricks or something great and again i don't know that these are like real jobs but great and they, <laughs> they are jen <laughs> no but i mean like not they're not real jobs on page right like they're real oh, jobs in the oh, world no but yeah like you know they don't actually come home with like concrete dust it's on their like hands. well snowplow driver is like fossil hunter Although that's like it's also that Simpsons episode. Mr. Plow, that's my name. The name again is Mr. Plow. Our forecast calls for flurries of passion, followed by extended periods of getting it on. Okay, anyway. Um, these books are great, and they I mean I have so they're and they come in like collections. Another official selection from the Bill Harper Collection. Like one through four is like, you know, gonna be the first the first ones and then Blade bounced wrecked. Oh, it's so good. And then there's also a whole um Love in Brazen Bay series that she does. But I think the thing about these books, and of course my all-time favorite of her books is a book called All Together. It's about three college students that, like, end up in a menage together, um, end up in, like, a polyamorous kind of closed relationship together. Um, But they – she just, like, absolutely knows what the trope is and is going to deliver it to you exactly how you want it. And because, like you said, they're short, you just are going to, like – like get that hit and it's going to work. And if like one of them doesn't work for you, you could just go on to the next one. You don't have to like sweat it. There's no, you're not going to miss anything. You'd read them all out of order. I mean, I think that's the other thing is it's like, there's not this sense that, you know, oh my God, I'm going to be missing things. If I read them in a different order, if I, if I read number eight before number one, none of that even matters. And I think that sometimes that can also be an impediment especially to a bigger, longer series, is the sense that they're not really standalones, and these really also are. They're great. I mean, I was reading Brill Harper before you made them cool, so. (laughs) You were the one who told me about Brill Harper, and then I told everybody else. I mean, I really, like, uh, yeah. Uh, So, you guys, we want to hear about your quick and dirty books. Yeah, because we need if more. If you can, yeah, because that's the pro- <laughs> that's the other piece of it, right? You end up yeah. going into sort of a fugue state, <laughs> where then, oh yeah, you've like gone down the rabbit hole. You've you come out of it forty eight hours later, and you're like, I've read fourteen books in a row about blue aliens, <laughs> and then you think to yourself, yes. Who even am I now? <laughs> 
But then you run out of them. And now I feel like Jen and I have really, we've blown through a lot of these writers. So if you have somebody who you think we would really love, um, please tell us because we want them. Yeah, we need more. Everybody needs, this is like a break in case of emergency type of author, right? Exactly. And and I also reread these sometimes because I'm just like, this is what I want. Boom. And so many people in romance, like I see so many people in romance go like, I don't know. Ice Planet Barbarian sounds crazy. And yeah, it does. (laughs) And, And here's the thing, like if it's, if that doesn't sound, if that title just doesn't sound like your thing, it's probably not going to be your thing. But if there's a part of you that's like, I don't know, I think I'd be embarrassed to admit that I read them. That's okay. I probably, I mean, I've never, I've truly never been embarrassed to admit that I read anything, but I get it. And, uh, and, uh, you should, you should just read them in, in quiet peace. Get a burner Twitter account and find us and say, <laughs> "This is literally what your Kindle is for." That's all I have to say about no that. No one need ever judge you. <laughs> well, I will tell you this: I don't really. I have like uh, Amazon Associates account, and I don't really use it that often anymore um, because we, you know. But what I told everybody at like about the All Together book, and I was like, "This one's real hot." And I swear to God, I sold a hundred copies of that book, oh, and I was like, "Oh, absolutely!" So I, think, I think there is like a real groundswell of people who are like, "I just want." To like, it's like Calgon, take me away. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's like just, oh, this is like exactly what I want. And sometimes I do. I just like sit down and I just really have to read it. Like, it, it's such a stress reliever for me too. Yes. Right? Yes. This is like self care reading for sure. Yes. It's great. And we support <laughs> it. And you will never oh, yeah. find judgment here in our corner of podcast land. Anyway. I think we should end there. Yeah. Next week, we'll be back with uh, Tessa Bailey's uh, asking asking for trouble trouble and protecting what's his sort of. We'll probably talk about a lot. We'll probably just talk about the Tessa Bailey. Yeah. The Tessa Bailey, queen of dirty talk. (laughs) Um, So good. I love that. But asking for trouble is my pick and it's like really terrific enemies to lovers. Um, it's really just like they hate each other and they're forced and it's not like they're forced to be together I also really like the well no we'll talk about it next week never mind save it for the pod save it for the (laughs) pod Sarah um otherwise you can there's there are new shirts in my shop in the Jordan Danae shop um we will put links to it the faded mate shirt is not up yet but when it is we will of course talk about that that's right you can buy pins from Kelly at Jen's website. Oh, you can call us at a telephone number that I still don't have written down. (laughs) Um, So maybe don't. We'll tell you next time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And so you can call us. Um, And uh, Fade of Mates is produced by Eric Mortensen. And don't shop in pet stores. Go to your local shelter if you need to visit the pet store. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Southern Maryland, but I am originally from Long Island. Um, the book that flooded me was 
um, the first Guild Hunters book in the Lumen uh Guild Hunter series, which is Angel's Blood. And I had come to that book because I was a huge Alona Andrews fan. I really loved reading fantasy and urban fantasy, which kind of had threads of romance in it, um, her Kate Daniels series. And this was before the Heavenly Legacy series. Um, and so I found the Guild Hunter series and was like, oh, more urban fantasy. And then I was like, what is this? There's like happy endings and couples and each book is a couple and it blew my mind and then I started reading all of her spy changeling books and um, I have been a huge huge <laughs> reader um, ever since then it was like getting that first hit and now I am totally addicted um, totally what I was looking for in my reading because that's what I loved about like the Kate Daniel series was the romance thread that was like woven throughout um, that's what I was looking for, and it just finally comes into place. And this happened about, it was in my 20s, I was like 25, um, before I became a romance reader. So now I'm in my 30s, <laughs> and still going strong, and honestly, I just don't find other genres as satisfying now, because I just want to know, it's all going to be happy in the end. <laughs> so I'm so glad, and forever grateful to Mulini Singh who I just, obviously, <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> um, and you guys are amazing, and I love your podcast.